Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Good to be here, y'all. Hey, it is exciting to be your partner. Um, As a token of our appreciation, we had City Prayers devotional books to give free for anybody who wanted one. However, the first service wiped everything clean. (laughs) So now here's what we're going to do. Um, you can go to our website, worldimpact.org, check it out somewhere on there. I'm sure you can say, hey, I want a city prayer devotional. We'll make sure you get one. But I do have, in my, from the trunk of my car, I had a couple copies of my latest book called Uncommon Church. So we're giving that away. But I don't have no idea how many are out there. So, hey, you all have, might have to go to the octagon to, to get one. But... They're there for you because we want to show a token of our appreciation for what you have done in our our exciting partnership. So, two things I want to let you know that may be a little bit unusual about this sermon. First off is um, I come from an African-American church tradition, so I am probably going to be much louder and excitable for many of you. Even though it's my third sermon, my help is here. Some of y'all know what that means. So, you amen people, you people preach it. I don't know what Tyler likes, but I like that. So today's your day. <laughs> you silent people, today's probably not your day. But I'll be gone in a little while, so you don't have to worry about it again. The second thing is um, the first third of my sermon and the pillar of it of how's your love life. We're not going to talk about that love life, but we're going to talk about the love life as a Christian and as a church. It's going to take form of a video. It's a 10 and a half minute video. It's, it's, you may have even seen it before. It's, it's been around since like I think 2008-ish, 2009, but that's going to serve as the first part of our sermon. And after this, that is over, I will come back up.
with that one command, it was all underway. Light and energy, gravity, synchronicity, orbits and galaxies, comets hurtling down galactic highways, a space-time ballet, a thousand years but a day, a brand new planet. Hot with the fires of creation, life under construction, cells, replication, DNA code, embedded commands of how to grow. Make yourself at home, woman and man. Walk the length of the land. Scale the mountains, run the rivers. Drink from the springs, let your free will wander down the pathways of this garden. Away in a strange transaction. The forging of the first weapons, the spilling of first blood, the trampling and trashing of paradise, blowing the gift to pieces with a bang! intensive care so now the rainforest star strip bare so now the cities give birth to slums so now the rifles and suitcase bombs why 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 is a promising life ripped away just when it catches stride and runs free tanks rattle and pound soldiers get cut down never getting to say goodbye broken-hearted child, the perfection of what was supposed to be, up against the brutality of our reality. Why? Why? This is my father's world. I rest me. says you gave up your life, your flesh, and your blood for love. And as the story goes, you're still reaching. You watch over the grieving. You capture every sigh. You measure the space between every heartbeat. And there's a promise that winds its way through every weathered page. A feast for the hungry, the delivery of the captives, healing for the desolate, the final satisfaction of justice, making all things new. Hope 
in the clinics where the sick hold on. Hope in the schools and the holding cells. It echoes in the halls of the hospitals. Hope rises up in the cities and the war zones. Hope in the courtroom and in the broken home. In the seminaries and the cyber highways. In the alleys of the homeless and the hungry. In the shack settlements and the compounds. On the farms where the soil is hard and dry. In the streets where the grieving mothers cry. Where the A's often stare up at the stars. Where the captives pound on the cell walls. Through the coal mine towns and the factories. In the ghettos and the prisons and the cemeteries. So where is it? I don't see it. I don't get it. The fulfillment of the promise. I don't see it down here in the middle of the fear. What hope can remain in the depth of this pain? I don't see it. The earth is groaning night and day. A song of human slavery, of dark disease and poverty, of children in captivity. God, that's the sound that comes to me. Are you still far away on high? Still staring out at that empty sky? Still reaching out with that longing hand? hear no voice and I don't understand. I know about theology. I know you gave your son for me. I know you're wrapped in mystery. I get invisibility, but I still see their misery. I hear their voices haunting me, saying who will come and set us free? Who will come and set us free? Who will come Send me. Here am I. Send Aquí me. Estoy yo. Envíame. Andito ako. Ipadala mo ako. Still Here am I. Nay, tong day. I sign tong day. Here am I. La bake. Here am I. Maro, send me aquí. Envíame. What ya? What Nandito ako. Here as ek. Here am I. Didi pano. Here am I. Maro hambefest. Aquí. 
하아나 내가 여기 있나이다 Here am I 2021 was, I was like, who was that dude? Just such a different person. And I was so focused on success. Success with finding a wife, success with school. Proud Cincinnati Bible College graduate, by the way. Success with everything. And I was really concerned about what people thought about me. And I find at 51, I don't care what any of you think about me. <laughs> and so my focus is not success anymore. It's, 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 it's significance. It's kind of a morbid way to think about things, but it's like, Alvin, man, if there's something you need to be about, you better get about it right now. So you're not getting any younger. You know, you think I got a 24-year-old and a 21-year-old, and what's the legacy I'm going to leave for them? All these types of questions that I never could have even imagined at 19 are popping in my head at 51. And it has an amazing thing, of, it does the amazing thing, I should say, of making things clear. Clarity. This is what is important. This is not. makes me very focused. And today I want to focus you on clarity for your Christian life, which should revolve around the love ethic of Jesus Christ and of God. Christian as a personal faith as well as a communal faith. If you're, I love your slogan, love the veil. What does that mean to love the veil? So let me start by reading to you a, a, an obituary that was ran in the August 16th 2008 edition of the Vallejo, California Time Herald's newspaper. It was an obituary of a woman by the name of Dolores Aquilar, and I apologize for my Spanish because it's not very good if I mispronounce that last name. It was Dolores Aquilar, born in 1929 in New Mexico, left us on August 7, 2008. She will be met in the afterlife by her husband, Raymond, her son, Paul Jr., and daughters, Ruby, Beatrice, Virginia, and Ramona, and son, Billy, Dolores had no hobbies, made no contribution to society, and rarely shared a kind word or deed in her life. I speak for the majority of her family when I say her presence will not be missed by many, very few tears will be shed, and there will be no lamenting over her passing. Her family will remember Dolores, and amongst ourselves, we will remember her in our own way, which were mostly sad and troubling times throughout the years. 
We may have some fond memories of her, and perhaps we will think of those times too. But I truly believe at the end of the day, all of us will really only miss what we never had, a good and kind mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. I hope she is finally at peace with herself. As for the rest of us left behind, I hope this is the beginning of a time of healing and learning to be a family again. There will be no service, no prayers, and no closure for the family she spent a lifetime tearing apart. We cannot come together in the end to see to it that her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren can say their goodbyes. So I say here for all of us, goodbye, Mom. I mean, when I first read that, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, as, as my grandma used to say, she put her business in the street out there like that. <laughs> Can't believe it. And, but I didn't think it was real. But it is. It's real. Dolores was a real person who obviously did not realize the value of her life. I don't know her. I don't know what happened. I, but I don't know if she experienced the love of Christ. Or the love of anyone else, perhaps she was stuck in trauma because the saying says, hurt people hurt people, right? But see, see I, I pray that you all don't have an obituary like that. The only way you can't have an obituary like that is to seek significance through Christ Jesus. My amen corner should have said amen right about amen. there. It's the only way. That's the only way. The love, the, the love ethic of Jesus Christ and of God is what keeps us from having an obituary like Dolores's. In a, in a lot of ways, chasing success is good, but it's not the end-all be-all. Because, you know, a lot of ways the American church is very successful. You, you know when pastors gather together and you all aren't around, you know, you know what they talk about to see if they measure their scorecard of success? They talk about the three Bs, butts, budget, and building. How many butts in the pews, pastor? They, they all say it like that, though. They say, how many are you running? What's your attendance numbers? What's your budget? How pretty is your building? Right? And so if we look at Northeast Christian Church, y'all are pretty successful. Smoke machine in the back. <laughs> Colors. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Bravo. Right? You got enough people. Take it, take it from me as a former inner city pastor. I don't even know what your budget numbers are, but you got enough money. You're successful. So the question becomes, are you significant? If, if God was to take his hand and pick this building off the ground, this pretty beautiful campus, and remove it, and became a field, would the community around you even know that this was a church building here? Or would they just drive by and say, I wonder what used to be there? Because I guarantee if a McDonald's was here and it left, everybody would know, where's the McDonald's? That's how you measure significance, saints. That's why I love Love the Ville. So how do you love the Ville? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us how you're going to love the Ville. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to flames, but, not, but have not love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are, are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there, are, where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. To really understand the emphasis, the oomph of this chapter, because this chapter exegetes itself. Fancy Bible college term, right? It exegetes itself, meaning it explains itself. You read that, I really kind of don't have to explain it to you. I will, but you, it, it kind of explains itself. But if you really want to understand what it says, you got to go one chapter back 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because in 1 Corinthians 12, he ends that chapter by saying, it is the most excellent way. In other words, a Christian life is not a Christian life unless love is present. Yes. So we throw around this word love. What does the word love mean? I, my 21-year-old, my is, 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 she's the straw that stirs a drink in our family. She's, she's got a lot of sass to her. I don't know where she gets it from, but she's got a lot of, lot of sass to us. And I remember when she was about 9 or 10, or whenever that song by Beyonce was out, if you love it, put a ring on her, whatever it was called, whatever, it's that the other. I'm getting old. I don't remember all that stuff, right? But I remember when it was out, and, and one time I said, I love pizza. And she said, Daddy, if you love it, you put a ring on it, Right? Because we just, we just throw it around. We love this. I, I, I love the Ohio State University football. Y'all play a little bit of football down here, but you know, y'all hoopers down here. I remember Never Nervous Purpose and all that stuff. Y'all hoopers down here. I understand. I get that. So we just say we love all this stuff. But what does it really mean? All right? So 1 Corinthians 13 is saying, and, and, and what it means for the church, because in 1 Corinthians 12, what he's talking about, he says, the Holy Spirit is present in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the most used metaphor for the church in the scriptures. The body is all connected. It's all connected. Regardless of what color or race you are, it's all connected. Regardless of what political party you vote for, it's all connected. Oh, ain't gonna get no amens on that. <laughs> right? Regardless of what gender you may find yourself, it's all connected. You are connected. Do you realize you're connected? Not just here, but with Christians all over the world. Yes. So our concern should be for all of it. We have such weak definitions of the church. You know, what's the church? Well, it's when me and Johnny go to Starbucks and we get a cafe latte and we talk about our lives and our hearts and we leave and we pray for one another because you know that scripture says when there are two or three gathered together in your name, you know, Jesus is there. What a murdering of that scripture. That is not the church. It's you and Johnny having a good time at Starbucks. The church is much deeper than that. The local church is the hope of the world. Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's much deeper than Starbucks and lattes and hanging out. 
your life, the church's life at Northeast. Do you know the history of Louisville will be, I'm watching Loki, y'all. Y'all watching Loki? I'm watching Loki with Marvel, and they got this thing called timelines and this, that, the other. Do you know that the timeline of Louisville will not be the same if Northeast Church didn't exist? Do you understand that? Do you understand that? That if you did not exist, things would go differently in the city of Louisville. You go, oh, well, no, it's not that deep. Yes, it is that deep if you really understand what Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 18. All my life, though, it doesn't really matter what I do. Yes, it does matter. It matters. Because part of the body of Christ being in local churches, we work towards purity by bearing one another's burdens and restoring those who are found to be in sin. You ought to be in each other's business. I remember when I, when I was pastoring and, and I wouldn't see a church member and for a couple weeks and, and I'd do the old fashioned, I'd go visit them, just pop in. Well, you just stopped in unexpectedly. Why are you here? Why ain't you been to church? What do you mean why I'm here? It's the body of Christ. You ain't been here. Church is not optional. If you say you love Jesus, I know I'm stepping on a lot of toes. It's a good thing I'm leaving, Jason, because I know I'm taking a lot of people off that. I mean, it's not optional. Oh, it's raining too hard. Oh, really? I mean, everybody, you got time for everything but church. I'm old school, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Church is serious. It's serious business. You ought not to miss it. You ought to be connected with your small group. That's who you do life together with. That's who you laugh and cry with. That's when if their marriage goes astray, you pray for them. You try to get them together. Be in each other's business. Because it matters. You have to make it. We're connected. If my hand doesn't make it, is it going to hurt me? That's the, you, you need to understand the illustration that's used in 1 Corinthians 12. If my hand doesn't make it, will it hurt me? That's the way Christ sees us as a church. We need to encourage one another in the Lord. Because if we have real love, it brings about a genuine supernatural fellowship. And if you're asleep and you don't hear nothing else, you need to hear this last sentence. And I'm going to say, not the last sentence of the sermon, no, no, no. But the last sentence that's getting ready to come out of my mouth. Being real is a trademark of the Holy Spirit. And when you all are real with your families and your relatives and your associates and your networks on the job, and when this church is real to the city of Louisville, those who don't know Christ pop their head up and go, what's going on over there? And they're going to go, what's going on over there? Because when the Holy Spirit shows up, it draws two types of people. People who hate you and people who love you. So I don't understand. Everybody's like, oh, people don't like the church. What have you been reading? Have you been reading the Bible? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. There's persecution everywhere. There's things everywhere. If you truly take a stand for the Lord, and I'm not talking about culture wars. You truly take a stand for the gospel and what it stands for. Regardless of what your local politician says, there will be people who don't like it and there will be people who will be drawn to it. 
I come from a family that is half saved. <laughs> Most of them don't know Christ. Some of them do know Christ. But what they know is this, that me and my family, we serve the Lord. They don't know how I vote. They don't know anything else. They say, man, they've been married for 27 years. I haven't been with that girl for 30. There must be something there. Because he's the only person in our circle of influence that's still married. That is married. That only has children with his one woman. You want to talk about countercultural. There it is right there, y'all. I mean, I'm not talking, if you, if you don't have that, that's fine. There's something in your life, though. People ought to notice there's a difference between the way you live and the way of the, they live and the world around them. Both individually, personally, and as a group and as a community. And when they see that difference, they call that a witness. A witness. A witness that we are different, that we are people of the kingdom of God. What brings that upon the scene is the love life. Because here's the, here's the crazy thing about love life of Jesus Christ, right? It brings the presence of God upon the scene. Okay, now presence is something you need to understand. And those of you who have lost a loved one, you know what presence means. Because what would you give to have an hour with them? Your grandma, your mom, your dad, your sibling, whoever it may be. What would you give to have an hour with them? Sociologists tell us that there will be 10 people who we meet in the course of our lives, that their presence will be so strong on our lives, either good or bad, that it'll change the entire trajectory of it. And the one person, one of the people in my life was my cousin called Lil Cleve. His name was Cleveland Sanders Jr. And to understand his presence, I got to tell you something. I got to structure my life here. Now, I'm, it's going to be challenging for some of you, so don't, so don't think, don't get mad at me. Don't think this, that, the other, but let me just tell you something. You know, I got an older sister and I got a younger sister, so I'm the middle child. My mother's still alive, thank the Lord. And of course, I've got a wife and I've got two daughters. You notice something? There's a lot of estrogen in my life. I love you, ladies. I really do. But every now and then, I got to connect to some testosterone. Get to get out of there. The men just going to leave me out here. I ain't getting no amens. Okay, you scared. I understand. Can't say nothing. I understand, but you know what I'm telling. You know what I'm talking about. Not one of y'all going to be brave enough to say amen. All right, all right. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep it moving. So anyways, the person who did that was Lil Cleef. I remember one time I was, I was held hostage in a tea party in one of my sister's room because Barbies were around and Ken was there and all that stuff. And he came in. He said, what is happening? What is going on? We're going outside. He grabbed me and said, we're going to play football. Good manly stuff, right? And he played that role. I did everything that he, he did. He joined the military. I joined the military. He, he got married to a pretty woman. I got married to a pretty woman. We did everything. And he did. And then one time, years and years ago, I got one of the worst calls of my entire life. He was suffering from leukemia. The bone marrow plants that didn't go well. My dad was in Nashville at the Vanderbilt Medical Center, and he called me. I live in Cincinnati, and he says, hey, if you want to see little Cleve alive again, you got to get here right now. I said, right now? He said, right now. So I literally dropped everything, didn't pack anything, just jumped in the car, drove down to Nashville. I got to him. He's on his deathbed. I give him a long hug, and he tells me how much he was appreciative of the Washington Redskins beating my Steelers. 
play this testosterone roll to the end. I'm like, really, dude? You're on your deathbed? Is this what we're going to talk about? <laughs> My God. The presence of those, if you've lost them and they've made a big difference in your life, it's very powerful. So if that's the case with people, what is the case with God? Can I preach this thing a little bit here, just a little bit? What's God being present, do you know how much of a blessing that is? That you can call in the name of Jesus and God is present. Jonah understood this power in the wrong way because when God said, Jonah, you may not love the Ninevites, but I do. Offered him a path to my love because they understood that if they took that path to his love, that it would change the trajectory of the entire ethnic group, the entire nation. And Jonah didn't want to see his enemies prosper. He didn't want to see his enemies prosper. Matthew who was the scum of the earth, if you really understand what a tax collector did and was, Jesus said to him, follow me. Simon the zealot, who was radicalized, jihadist, if you want to be real about it, Jesus said, drop everything and follow me. The power of God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said, we're not going to bow to you, idol, and we don't know what's going to happen to you, king, and we may die, but yes, you put us in the fire and we burn up, God is still God. God is bigger than the circumstance that you find yourself in. God is bigger than the city, nation, country that you find yourself in. Stop fighting the culture war, read Revelation, and know that you've already won. already won. It's over. Sometimes asked me one time, well, what, what, what would Jesus vote for? What would Jesus do? I said, what makes you think Jesus is going to vote? <laughs> he sits at the right hand of the Father. I mean, the earth is his footstool. Yes. Do you think he can't handle who's in office? Yes. Really? Do you, do you, I mean, you're just out there uh, with your little pea shooter. <laughs> God is bigger than the circumstance. God is bigger than the circumstance. If we truly believe that, church, it would change the trajectory of everything around us. World Impact, we have a trajectory-changing situation. You know what we do? We have this thing called a theory of change. And the theory of change is this, that the poor can lead and own their own lives and ministry. And people get freaked out. What are you talking about? I thought you were a charity. Well, you've been wrong before. <laughs> Charities are fine, but that's not what we do. We say, you know what? Those in the community of poverty, you're there. We're going to equip you. We're going to empower you to use your own heart, your own lives, your own gifts, your own talents, so that you can bring change to this community. Because God is bigger than your circumstance. So I know you only got a little 50 people. I know you're bivocational and you try to make a dollar out of 15 cents. And I know that your building is raggedy, but you still matter. 
You still have a role to play in the kingdom of God and what he's trying to do in this world. In fact, you matter more than you think you do. We forget what society tells you. You matter to God. God loves you. Go to work. That's who we are. That's what we're about. If I don't be quiet, we'll be here all day. Getting too happy up here. Jason, you ain't telling me this is a glory land service. I can't keep going. It's 12.02. These people got to get home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for loving us, for loving our church, for loving our community, for loving our enemies, for loving everything. Give us your heart. Make our desires your desire both personally and as a church. Thank you for this church, love. I, Lord, I, I love this church. I love their flow. Love the veil, God. I love their pastor title. I know I love everything they're trying to do, God. Help them to be the people of God you have called them to be in every sphere of influence in their lives and in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.